no, no. Nothing personal word of the day. It's Wednesday, May 11th, 2022. And no, no is the word. While you were sleeping, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim threw a no-hitter. I don't No, no. All right, new start. Ready? Here we go. No, no. Nothing personal word of the day. May 11th, 2022. Reed Detmers threw a no-hitter last night while you were sleeping for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. I don't know why people say a team threw a no-hitter. That was the 12th no-hitter in team history. So I was watching Justin Verlander pitch. He was pitching against the Twins. There was a lot of intrigue. Astros v. Twins. Why did I switch games? You'll know in a second. Just give it a minute. Ease into the show. Verlander's back from Tommy John. He just turned 69 years old, and he looks better than ever. Thank you, Kate. Not Middleton. And he is pitching a no-hitter through five, through six, through seven. It's the Twins. Correa's not playing. He was an Astro. Now he's a twin. Wanted to play. Got hurt. The Astros have a new shortstop instead of Correa, who makes seven hundred grand, not $30 million, playing just as well. Buxton, hurt. Twins, first place. Astros winning games. Yada, yada. Verlander throwing a no-hitter. It gets broken up in the eighth inning. Everyone from CBS just backs off. No hitter alert. It's unbelievable. Nobody can hit. Have you looked at the averages of Major League Baseball players this year? It used to be that when we had a guy hitting in the two teens, we were talking about sending him out. Now you hit in the 220s and you get an extension. You get a raise. It's laughable. But maybe the dead balls will help. So Justin Verlander's no hitter goes away. Pop in the Xanax, get ready to get a few hours of sleep, and then open my eyes at about 2.30, maybe 3 o'clock. I was too busy licking my wounds over the picks of the day, which I'll talk about later in the show. And then I get the alert, the red banner, that Reed Detmers, Reed Detmers, who? Reed Detmers is a young pitcher, highly drafted, first-round pick, I think, decent, no indication that he should ever be able to throw a no-hitter at all. Strikes out two, walks one, throws about 105 pitches, and the Tampa Bay Rays of all teams lose 12 to nothing, and it's a no-hitter. So I'm thinking about several things without even watching the highlights. I'm thinking about Tampa Bay getting no-hit is surprising to me because of their approach. They're the type of team that understands how to hit against the shift. They're the type of team who understands that being no hit is embarrassing. I got, we got no hit. I, we, they, Marlins. It stinks. It's way better to throw a no hitter. Demers is the second youngest guy to get a no hitter since our guy, Annabelle Sanchez, in 2006. Coco was telling me about that pregame. I forgot about that no hitter for a moment. I mean, I think about it. We had a uh, detour here, Coca. After the no-hitter in 2006, that was the year that we had traded everyone after 05 when we didn't make the playoffs with our most of our World Series team back other than Pudge and Derek Lee. But we had signed Delgado. We thought we were going to be good. Then we traded everyone, started over. We had this amazing young rotation with Josh Johnson and Ricky Nolasco and Scott Olson and uh, Annabelle Sanchez, who we had gotten from Boston along with Hanley Ramirez. And Annabelle, they were just young. Joe Girardi's a first-time manager, and we're supposed to lose a hundo. But we're doing fine, winning a bunch of games. We're playing the Arizona Diamondbacks, 
and the future triathlete Eric Burns is at the plate, and he grounds the ball to Hanley Ramirez. And I'm up in the box at pro player, and we're watching the game, and we're getting ready for the fact that it could be a no-hitter, and we've spoken to the equipment manager, and we've got the bases, the tickets, everything's ready to go. We're going to save everything. We're going to sell stuff. We're going to give stuff away, et cetera. Ground ball to Hanley, and we're looking at him, and Hanley takes his time the way Hanley does, where he's got the confidence in his arm, not knowing that Eric Burns is a speedster. Go watch the highlight of this. It's unbelievable. He literally takes his time on the 27th out, throws to first, and Burns is out by not half a step. In a replay world, Annabelle Sanchez does not have a no-hitter. I mean, in the same way Galarraga has a perfect game in a, and Jim Joyce has his call reversed. Eric Burns was safe at first, but the call was out, which was great. Celebration, no-hitter, et cetera. And he was a kid, and he was still pitching. Annabelle Sanchez is getting paid $2 million this year not to pitch. I love you, Annabelle. You really figured it out. One of the top 20 deals of all time. You do a showcase. You look like you're good in a showcase. No one's paying attention to nothing personal who are scouts realizing that showcases are meaningless. And then the Nationals give him $2 million. He gets hurt, and he's done, but he's getting paid. Anyway, so Reed Detmers is a young guy, throws a no-hitter. And I'm watching, and I'm thinking about the Angels and how it appears that they're pitching anecdotally, before I do the research, anecdotally, their pitching just seems better this year. They're throwing more shutouts. They're in first place. They're actually hitting and pitching all at the same time. Their bullpen is fine. I guess that's how you're in first place in the middle of May, right? I think they have more shutouts this year than they did the last two years combined, though that was a COVID-shortened season in 2020. But all of that said, I was very impressed with Reed Detmers and the no-hitter and the Angels. But did you watch what happened when they had a position player, Brett Phillips, for the Rays, down 8 nothing, pitch in the ninth, 8th inning? Mike Trout hits a home run off a position player, no big deal. Up comes Anthony Rendon. Anthony Rendon, that $200 million position player who was signed, the biggest free agent from the Nationals, huge deal, who the Nationals let go because they were saving money to give to Juan Soto. And then Rendon has been absolutely horrific as an Anaheim Angel. Still completely overpaid, still has a good glove. He gets up, and he's a great righty hitter. And I'm looking at the highlight of his home runoff, Brett Phillips, and I'm noticing something very bizarre. He batted left-handed. He went up in a Major League Baseball game and batted with his weak side. Bless me. Anthony Rendon, let me, let me take you behind the scenes of what goes on during batting practice. Batting practice is something that's done before every game. It is what, like in the NBA, when you go out and do an early shoot-around, so there's early batting practice where there is a system that players have and that we talk to the players about what batting practice is supposed to be. The first round, the first couple pitches of each round, you are bunting the ball just to get a feeling of the batting practice pitcher. Then you are going the opposite way. Then you're going the pull side. And then third round of batting practice, you can pretty much do whatever you want. So the guys have home run derbies. The guys try to hit certain signs in the outfield. The guys try to hit the 
wire cages that are in the field, like protecting the infielders who are taking infield practice, or they try to get it as close to the line. You know, all the games that you would think that people play who are really good at what they do, like professional golfers when they're doing a practice round, say, all right, let's see if who can get closest to the tree without hitting it, things like that. Not the normal closest to the pin because they're always closest to the pin. So also in batting practice, you've got players who are doing things that they don't do during a game where they just lose their approach. I don't love when players do that, but I would talk to them and say, like in the NBA, when players are doing shoot-arounds and they're having half-court shooting contests, they're doing that because at the end of a quarter or at the end of a game, there may be an opportunity to take a half-court shot and you just sort of want to have that in your arsenal. But under what scenario in a baseball game would you necessarily be having a jocular, jovial approach to an at-bat? And my, my thought was not, right? And as a consequentialist, my view of an at-bat is that every at-bat has a goal. Either you're trying to get the runner in, you're trying to hit a home run, you're trying to not strike out, whatever you're trying to do. So in BP, they'll do things that really have no redeeming value or quality at all. So Anthony Rendon, once in a while during BP, would hit the ball from the left side. And he would do it in the cage or do it in BP. So he's not a switch hitter because he has zero at-bats from the left side in his career. That would make him not a switch hitter. So he goes up lefty and hits a two-run home run. Now, people are saying, David, that's great. How great is baseball? That's a good story. Let's promote that. It's outstanding. Joe Madden, the manager of the Angels, had to say after, we didn't mean any disrespect by that. Anyway, I actually found what Aaron Judge did walking off with that three-run home run way, way cooler. No-no was the word of the day. Congratulations to Reed Detmers. I hope that this is not the height of your career, but there's a decent chance that it is. Wait to see. So what do you think is going on in the Brady household today? I was spending a lot of time inside my own brain thinking about the conversations between Tom and Giselle and all of the great words that Tommy Brady had about retiring and being with the family and being a dad and not missing all the great things that are happening in his kids' lives. If I had a dollar for every player who said they were excited about retirement so they could be a bigger part of their kids' lives, I'd have a whole lot of dollars. Hmm. So Tom Brady retires, unretires, playing for the Buccaneers, and then out of nowhere yesterday, it is announced that Tom Brady has signed a 10-year deal with Fox to be the lead NFL analyst replacing Troy Aikman. Starting, we don't know. So let me tell you why this news leaked. And this is when business transcends sports. When you have a public company, that means by definition, you know what a public company is, you are owned by people you don't see every day. You are owned by people who own shares of stock in your company. Now, generally, the people you work with, the CEO, the president, the chairman, they own the majority of the shares. But you still have responsibilities under the laws of the United States. 
the Securities Exchange Commission, where you have to make certain filings, you have to make certain disclosures, you have to talk to your investors, and you have to talk to your analysts. Analysts are people who work at investment banks, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, and they do research on your company. They release information on your company. Should you buy the stock? Should you hold the stock? Should you sell the stock? And they get spoken to by officers of a company on a quarterly basis where they talk about here are the results, here's what we were hoping for, here's what actually happened. If you invest in the market, you know about something called quarterly results, quarterly estimates. They did, we didn't hit our estimates. We overshot our estimates. That's good. We were expected to do better, but we didn't do better by as much as we were expected to do. Be ready. The stock goes down. We were expected to suck. We sucked way less than we thought we would. The stock goes up. So Fox was having a quarterly call and one of the Murdochs, I think the Murdoch who I went to high school with, I'd have to go back and check Coca. I think Lachlan Murdoch went to Horace Mann when I was there. One of them did. I can't remember which. He was very uh, quiet. So anyway, Murdoch takes the microphone or the phone and he's talking and just in passing says, and we've signed a 10-year deal with Tom Brady to be the head of uh, our Fox NFL coverage. And there's a deep drive to right field where it turns out that America's top model and we've got talent and the mass singer doing great. It was just sort of, hey, we're disclosing it. And it went public. And why it went public is that it's, it's surreal. How many of you have heard Tom Brady call a game? So Tom and Giselle are talking about their lives, talking about spending time with the kids and driving them to school and saying, I want to play this year for Tampa. Maybe I'll play another year. And, uh, oh, it's James Murdoch. Thank you, Coca. Not Lachlan. Lachlan. It was James Murdoch. He was very quiet. Very, very quiet. You never know what's going to happen to people when you know them in high school, right? Some people are going to peak in high school, and they're the athletes, the quarterbacks, right? They're the ones who are getting all the girls. They're the bad boys. I don't... One more detour about high school and grade school, elementary school. I was never willing to be the bad boy, even though I knew that that would make me ducky and put me straight in the friend zone, because I always would rather have been friends with all of the girls in high school and get to spend more time with them. But then when it came down to getting experience, like fooling around, and I would say to these friends, why is it that you're willing to date this total a-Rod, and the answer is, I was told this every time, which staggers me. The answer always was, because it's exciting. And I would say, well, what's exciting? And the answer was, because you never know what's going to happen next. With you, I know that we're going to hold hands and look at the stars, and we're going to talk about movies and plays and books, and we're gonna laugh, and it's easy to spend time with you. But with these bad boys, it's not easy to be with them, and I don't want easy. And I'm like, but I want you. Anyway, I got the last revenge. Where was I? Tom Brady making $330 million as a career quarterback, deciding that 
after his playing career ends, he goes to Fox and says, you have an opening. I want to be your top analyst. I'm not sure I can do it, but I do know that all it means is I have to leave my house on a Friday and I'll be back on a Sunday night because I'm going to get private jet accommodations back and forth to every game. And you're going to pay me more money than I made as a player because I want a 10-year deal. Fox had to bend over itself in order to let the world know that the $37.5 million number that was bandied about yesterday, that's $375 million over 10 years, was not accurate. And I promise you it's not more. Do you remember when CBS gave Tony Romo $17 million a year? I think it was um, eight years ago. Tony Romo got this job at CBS to be the head guy and then renegotiated and his renegotiated deal. What was that, Coke, in 2010 or something when he got $17 million a year? And the thought was, my God, that is so much money. That's the most ever. And then Troy Aikman said, no, no, I'll beat that. I'm going to go over to Amazon. They'll pay more than that because you guys all have Prime and you send packages and you don't ever choose to get it in the fewer number of boxes. Aikman went to ESPN, not Amazon. Who went to Amazon? Who's their play-by-play guy, Coca? It's musical chairs, and I'm totally blanking. Aikman and Buck are at ESPN because they're back together. Al Michaels is at Amazon, and I can't remember who his guy is. Anyway, you still don't have the delivery come in fewer boxes. So ESPN, ABC, they give Aikman money. CBS gives Romo money. And Brady just laughs. What is the mind process, the thought process, when you are Fox and you've invested billions of dollars and I came up with it? Here's the analogy. Do you remember when Shaquille O'Neal was on the Magic and the Lakers? And he couldn't shoot free throws. And they were paying him gazillions of dollars. And there was a discussion about whether or not he was going to have a coach to help him shoot free throws. And there was somebody who commented, you know, we're not going to pay for that type of coach. We don't need a free throw only coach. We have a, a bunch of assistant coaches. And they can teach Shaquille how to shoot a free throw. And then the owner at one point said... Nah, let's do it. If we've already invested this amount of money, what's another 50 grand or 60 grand for a coach? And I agreed. When you have an investment in something, think about it. You buy a really expensive, nice house, but then you're not willing to make the lawn nice. or You're not willing to fix the cracks in the paint. It makes no sense. When you've invested a lot in your company and you could invest a little more to make it way more better. Do you like that grammar? You do it. That is the ABCs of building value. Is it the equivalent that Fox invests billions of dollars into football so they say we might as well go with the best analyst? We might as well go with the most famous football player, the GOAT. Let's get him on board. And the answer is no. It's not the same thing, Fox. And no, Jerry, I'm not eliminating that. Ready, Coca? Back in. Four, six, nine. And no, Jerry, it's not the same thing 
as saying that I'm unhappy with Fox or that I never want to work with Fox or be on Fox. I like being on Fox Business. What I'm saying is, dear Fox, the reason people are watching your games on a random Sunday and your Super Bowl has this much to do with whether Tom Brady is the lead analyst, nothing personal with David Sampson YouTube channel, you're going to see my hands forming a zero like goggles. Now, granted, $37 million a year versus the billion dollars that you're investing almost on an annual basis to show games. Hmm. I guess that's like a free throw coach. But what's the payoff? And then you look deeper into the announcement and you see that, yes, we are dealing with public money, so we have to explain this higher. So guess what? Tom Brady is not just going to be the lead NFL analyst on Fox calling Super Bowls for 10 years when they have it in the rotation, but Tom Brady is going to be an ambassador. Oh, that's code for horse hockey. Dear Tom, You've promised in your contract to make four appearances to meet with our corporate sponsors, to meet with our partners and our shareholders, and we'd like you to come to our campus in California a couple times a year and say hi to all the employees. Maybe sign a few balls on the way, maybe a photo op. Hi, and could you bring Giselle twice if you don't mind? That wouldn't suck. A community ambassador. It's so ridiculous when we hire players to do that. We say, yes, we want you, we want our, our alums. We want to be associated with players who used to be on our team, and we want to pay them a stipend just to make appearances, sign some autographs, be at the games, greet some fans, go to places where the active players don't want to go. And these players are only too happy to do it. Tom Brady doesn't want to do that. but they had to say it. They had to explain why they were paying him so much. So here's what we're going to do from now on. If you're in the media or you're a fan of Tom Brady, you are going to treat him not like the goat, but like the ambassador that he is. And do you know what happens when you're an ambassador of a foreign country? Whether you're an ambassador for a week, a month, a year, a term, two terms, whether you're a diplomatic ambassador or an I gave more money to the campaign than that guy ambassador, pick your country, pick your nose, pick your friends, choose your country. You get called ambassador for the rest of your life. So guess what? Ambassador Brady. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about Marilyn Monroe. And then we're going to talk about what happened in the NBA last night and why it was so bad. And then we're going to mention that minor leaguers got a major victory for Major League Baseball yesterday. Major, not. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically. 
which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. This is not Ambassador Sampson. Coming to you live from New York. Thank you for rating, reviewing. Don't forget about that. I know there's so many podcasts out there, but you keep helping us grow. Tell your friends about Nothing Personal. If you're new to Nothing Personal and you've only heard like four or five episodes, let's say, and you're just sort of curious, like what's the buzz? Like what's this Samson guy? Who is this Samson guy? And you want to really get to know me? There's like 594 episodes before today that you can download. And rumor is it counts. I don't quite get that, but it does. So we watch a movie every day, and thank you for all of the suggestions you have. Somebody did something coca yesterday that I have to mention, and I'm not going to be able to find it this quickly, but someone actually got into my DMs at David P. Sampson on Twitter and was upset that I had not reviewed a show that they had suggested. Now, I'm talking directly to you. I'm going to my list right now. I have to finish Minx, which I'm in the middle of watching, which I'm digging. Jake Johnson is awesome. We're going to review that hopefully soon. I think it's called, I don't remember. I thought I wrote it. Servant of the People on Netflix. I have such a long list. But Servant of the People, I'm going to watch it. Now, I grant that you said you still love the show and you appreciate the show and you watch and listen to it every day. So I'm saying thank you. But why do you have to get so pissy? It's like if I don't answer a DM. How many people are answering all their DMs? I watched The Mystery of Marilyn Monroe the other day. Marilyn Monroe, what, when you think of Marilyn Monroe, what's the first thing you think of? Do you think of her white dress and the, skirt and the sort of the wind blowing up her dress when she's standing over the grate and then you can see her legs? Do you think of Joe DiMaggio? Or do you think of JFK? What about RFK? And I don't mean the bridge. Do you think of sex? Do you think of drugs? Do you think of death, suicide, sleeping pills, tragedy? Do you think of double high? I think of pretty much everything I just said. This movie will teach you nothing about Marilyn Monroe. It will make you feel queasy 
and voyeuristic for listening in on all of these tapes that were recorded by a guy who is writing a book about Marilyn Monroe. And they, it's not a recreation because they show tape of her and it's about whether or not she killed herself and if she did kill herself, did the Kennedys, were they involved? Was she in love with Robert Kennedy or JFK? Was it RFK who was there when she died? Was he not there? Was she in an argument with somebody? Was she upset over her failings as an actress? If there are hours in your day that you want to dedicate to Marilyn Monroe, instead of doing the unheard tapes, I would actually do something different. I would watch the movie with Michelle Williams. And Coco, we, I didn't tell you this was going to be in my mind because it wasn't. Is it called My Name, my name is Marilyn? Or M is for Marilyn? Or just Marilyn? Anyway, Michelle Williams, My Week with Marilyn, Coca, that's what it's called. That is a quality movie. I would skip the mystery of Marilyn Monroe. Or when you're thinking of Marilyn Monroe, I was also, do you think of Andy Warhol? Do you know who that is? Remember Andy Warhol's Monroe where it's, I think it's four boxes of, of Marilyn Monroe. Did you see someone paid $195 million for a Warhol? It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty, pretty good. Nothing personal pick of the day. We're doing our pre-show this morning and Coca says, it's your two worst picks of your career. I said, really? Did you go back over 595 picks and these were the worst? I thought the Road Dogs had a chance in last night's game five. I got to talk about the Philadelphia 76ers. One of my wait to seize is that if the Sixers lose this series or don't make it to the conference finals, that Doc Rivers is going to get fired. When you are evaluating your coach, you are looking at the performance of your team, not just the results, you're looking at the process. And I say process in a very funny way, right? Because Philadelphia is all about trusting the process. And I'm looking for, has the coach or manager, has he lost the clubhouse? Has he lost the locker room? Are people tuning him out? So I'm looking at Doc Rivers during time timeouts. They have this thing on TNT now, which is pretty cool. It's called Wired. And so there's microphones everywhere, and you get to hear what coaches are saying. And you think the coaches are doing something so mysterious and great. Hey, we got to work harder. We got to play hard. We got to box out. We got to get in there. I need you to go possession by possession. This is not to say coaches are bad coaches. It's just to say that during a game, you have to know what you're dealing with. And what you're dealing with are five guys who are sitting in front of you who aren't listening to one word you're saying. It's not like the old days where you'd have Larry Costello who's in there and he's drawing up stuff. Pat Riley's got the clipboard and you're looking at X's and O's and arrows and you've got cameras trying to look into the, into the dugout. Cameras trying to look into the huddle. People, if you're my age... 469. People, if you're my age, you know very well what I'm talking about. There were players who always kept their full sweats on because they were not going to get in the game like a Chuck Nevitt type of player who would stand in a way that would guard the cameras from looking into the huddle because in the huddle, they're diagramming what they're going to do out of the timeout. Now, there's cameras in the huddle. There's microphones in the huddle. Everybody knows what they're doing because they're not doing anything. How many times after a timeout does a team come out and you're like, that's the play you designed? 
that turnover, that ISO, that box and one, that step back, dribble, dribble down to the three seconds on the 24 second clock, and then boom, a three that clanks. The 76ers don't listen to Doc Rivers anymore. So when your coach has lost the clubhouse or the locker room, he's gone, especially if you don't have the results. The Sixers were not prepared for the game. They had no energy, totally lethargic, totally out of sync, totally selfish. And by the way, James Harden is a shell of himself, and they better not extend him, although it's the Sixers, and their process would say, oh, we got to keep him for 50 large a year. It's done. When they look at the Heat, if you're Josh Harris, who's way focused on buying other teams, or David Blitzer, who's way focused on buying other teams, which is nice that all of your owners are so wealthy that they're buying all these other teams in the EPL, and it's great, but are they watching their own team at home and realizing, wow, we stink? And then they look at Miami, and they look at Mickey Harrison, who stays uber-focused on things that float and things that float like floating in the air when you're a player, floating on the sea. Anyway, the Miami Heat are a team with depth, with character, with flow, with cohesiveness. People could argue that Joel Embiid could have won the MVP. Maybe he has a broken orbital bone and he was grumpy and he got hit in the face with a ball. People could argue that James Harden just is a little out of shape and a little overweight, and that could be the issue. People could say that Tobias Harris and Danny Green are great role players, and they're great compliments, and so they've got sort of a big four, and that Max Maxwell, it's not Maxwell, Maxie is a 21-year-old superstar to be who's out of control, frankly. But I'm looking at a Sixers team saying, I can't believe I chose them. They're going to lose the series in Miami tomorrow, and then that'll be it for Doc Rivers. But then I had a chance to win the Mavericks game. Mavericks were competitive, but then I watched the way they play offense, and the Suns crushed them. We're 59-47. and 47. All right, we got a Celtics game tonight. My Bucks are back, and the Bucks are going to have a heavy heart. Overnight, Bob Lanier passed away. Matt Coca, I'm calling you out, did not know who Bob Lanier was. Bob Lanier was a center for the Detroit Pistons. Bob Lanier also played for the Milwaukee Bucks. Bob Lanier was famous for having very, very large feet. Could have been in a play, actually. What is it called? Last Man Out? I'm going to see that this week, Coca. There's total nudity. It used to be like in hair. You went to see hair and you saw a pair of breasts and it was, (gasps) now everywhere you look, it's just penises galore. Anyway, I guess that's progress, depending on your outlook. So Bob Lanier had a great career, inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1992. But Coca, what Bob Lanier will be known for forever, Bob Lanier was the ambassador. (laughs) Now I can't say it because of what we said about Tom Brady. I didn't realize that ambassador, I was making pejorative by saying that Tom Brady was going to be named an ambassador because now I'm switching it for Bob Lanier, which means you actually have to not judge a book by its cover and you have to take it case by case. So if Tom Brady ends up being an ambassador like Bob Lanier, then I will be happy to call him an ambassador. I'll bet you a dollar it's NGTH. That said, Bob Lanier, he took it upon himself to keep kids in school. 
and to do programs with kids throughout his retirement and as a part of the NBA for decades after his playing career ended. There are people out there in the world who are successful under whatever way you want to define success, who are not incarcerated, who are not doing drugs, who are good people because of Bob Lanier. 73 years old. Rest in peace, Bob. Pick of the day is the Celtics five and a half over the Bucks in a game five at home. The way the Celtics win is when Jason Tatum is Jason Tatum, and Jason Tatum was not Jason Tatum for a couple of games this series, roughly the two games that the Bucks won. But in the two games that the Celtics won, Jason Tatum was Jason Tatum, and I predict that Jason Tatum will be Jason Tatum, and if he's Jason Tatum, the Bucks will not win the game. Celtics five and a half over the Bucks. I still see the series going seven. We'll talk about that in a couple days. That's the pick. We're 59 and 47 after a horse crap night last night. So in 2009, we drafted a player in the 10th round who I didn't know his name then. I didn't focus on it. 10th round is just draft whoever you want. Hope he makes it because we'll evaluate, evaluate you later. Turns out that he became extremely famous years later, not as a baseball player, but as the named party in a litigation that took up more of my time than I wish to admit. And his name is Aaron Senny, S-E-N-N-E. Some people call him Sen, the Sen litigation. I always call him Senny because he was talked about at every owner's meeting. This is the litigation of the minor leaguers against the commissioner's office and the 30 teams saying, pay us money. We deserve to be benefited. We deserve to be considered full-time employees. We deserve to get minimum wage. We deserve to not be underpaid to get overtime. This is a case that's been going on for eight years and four times a year, every year, Major League Baseball would send up Dan Hallam, now the deputy commissioner, to give us an update of the litigation. And I would always talk to Dan and smile and laugh because here's the only update that we needed to have. Gentlemen, we're not going to trial in this class action suit. We're not gonna settle quite yet, but I promise you, this will never see the inside of a court. Every owner in baseball knew it, every president, everyone in the commissioner's office. The only people who didn't know it were people out there in the media who thought this could be it. This could be the end of the antitrust exemption. This could be the moment that the quiet part is said out loud, where owners have to answer to why they treat minor leaguers the way they're treated, where minor leaguers can be paraded in front of a jury of not their peers who can't hit curveballs and talk about how sad it is. They have to live with families and eat crappy McDonald's. Not that it's crappy, but they have to eat food like that every day this is gonna be the day of reckoning where we're gonna rip down from their ivory tower the owners of major league baseball how did that work out for y'all the case settled yesterday why 
What did we tell you about collective bargaining agreements? What did we tell you about any sort of real deal to sell a team, to buy a team, to buy anything, sell anything? What do you need? Wait for it. A deadline. Not a deadline to take depositions. Not a deadline to exchange briefs and have legal fees go up, up, and up. Though we did ask the commissioner's office representatives, hey, what, how, can you just, what is the budget here for these legal fees? Just, just, we're just spitballing 10 million, 20 million, 30 million, no problem. 50 million, we're in. 200 million of legal fees, no problem. Pay the lawyers, we're not going to court. No chance, I would raise my hand. David, yes. Here's my view of going to actual court before a jury. No chance toilet pants. Guess what June 1st was going to be? The beginning of the jury trial. Hmm. What's today, Coca? May 11th? Hmm. Deadline? Yeah. Because both parties have to agree to a settlement. Then the judge has to approve the settlement. And all of that has to be done before a jury gets convened. And you've got yourself end of an eight-year litigation. Now, here's what we're going to look for. The settlement terms will not be disclosed because that is the most important thing that baseball will demand. They don't want to ever make it seem as though they can just be sued and they're going to give money because they're not willing to go into court. By the way, that's totally true. But you're not supposed to know that. So the terms will not be disclosed, but there will be statements. The statements from the minor leaguers will be that it's about time that these players got their just dessert. We have been assured and we are pleased with the progress that have been made with minor league housing and minor league pay. And they're going to list a laundry list. I could have said that smoother criminal. There's going to be a laundry list of items that we're going to tell you have been accomplished by this lawsuit. Great progress for future minor leaguers, and the owners are going to sit back and they're going to laugh. There hasn't been progress. But that litigation is over and done with. Thank God. Okay. On May 6th, 2022, we had a wait to see. This is shocking, actually. So wait to see is when we tell you something's going to happen. When it does... It does. When it doesn't, it doesn't. But either way, we're going to revisit it. On May 6th, just five days ago, we told you about Sergio Garcia, the football player. No, stop. Four, eight, nine. We told you about Sergio Garcia, the golfer, who couldn't find his ball in the water. And then he had an argument with the ball judge or the ball rules guy. And then he wants to play in the Saudi Arabian LIV Golf Invitational Series brought to you by Greg Norman and Phil Mickelson's bookie. But in order to play the first tournament in June in London, you have to get a release from the PGA because there happens to be a PGA tournament that weekend. And I said, wait to see, PGA Tour will give releases to the players. Well, it came out yesterday. And I'm blown away. The PGA has denied releases to these players. 
the Phil Mickelsons, the Garcias, the Maxwells, all of them. They don't get to play in this tournament. And what's strange about it is that if you're a player, you now have to make a choice. Because if you decide to play in this Greg Norman event, Greg Norman, by the way, is spearheading this because he's getting paid to do it. Greg Norman came out and said, I left my corporate shark foundation to head this up. Meanwhile, he's being paid a gazillion dollars. So he built this tournament, this series, and he's trying to make a whole tour. And Saudi Arabia is just paying billions of dollars to do it. In any case, players now are forced to choose. So here's the math. Let's say that you are Sergio Garcia. And you're offered, just for purposes of this conversation, $30 million as guaranteed income for playing in this tournament. You then sit down with your agent. You look at your sponsorship dollars. You look at your expected results in future PGA tournaments. You look at whether or not what you're going to make in the Masters, etc. If you can win it again, if you get another green jacket, what you win for that, what it means for your overall bottom line. And what's happening is that these players are going to calculate their expected career earnings. They're then going to talk to this other tour, and they're going to try to get them guaranteed. And if you are building a rival tour to PGA, one of the ways that leagues get threatened, like let's say the USFL, are they threatening the NFL? Was the ABA threatening the NBA? Nothing's ever been a threat to Major League Baseball. You do one of two things. You either put that other league out of business or you buy them and merge with them. What the PGA is going through right now is we're not going to be able to buy anything from Saudi Arabia because they have endless wealth. We're not going to be able to compete with appearance fees. We're not going to be able to compete with purses for winning tournaments, for being in tournaments. So what's our best shot? And the only and best shot they have is to appeal to the humanitarian side of these players. You want to get into bed with Saudi Arabia? You want to have what happened to Phil Mickelson happen to you? Don't tell them that F1 races in Saudi Arabia. Don't tell them the amount of business that people, leagues, industries do. Keep it to yourself. Because this tour is not going anywhere. And the PGA cut off its nose to spite its face by not granting these releases because by forcing the players to choose now, they're not going to choose you because Saudi Arabia, Greg Norman, they see the opening. They are going to show these players the money. And when you're deciding what your future is, what do you do? It's just business. See you later, PGA. It's nothing personal.